This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disaster Girls. It is me, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we are fortunately not alone in the room today. In, in addition to producer Jason, we have a guest. And we don't kill time around here having 18 minutes of fucking banter. No, we, there's another person. We do that before we hit record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so guest. Tell the people who you are and what you have brought to our disaster doorstep today. Hi, so my name is Alex Steed, and I am the co-host of a podcast called You Are Good, which we call a feelings podcast about movies. And uh, after trying to figure out uh, some disaster movies to bring bring to the table and realizing that they'd been covered because you have covered a great deal of disaster movies. <laughs> well, I, disaster movie. <laughs> I was like, what, what qualifies that is in my brain? What could be a good, good movie? And I saw a movie about 10 years ago, very high, like, (laughs) and so it, which explains, explains everything I forgot about the movie and it's called (laughs) Piranha 3D. Yeah, man. Yeah. This Thank is, you so much for going through this. Absolutely. No, I'm a I, I am a big uh Alexander Aja fan. Yeah. Okay. Um he and he, of course, he's a he's a Hall of Famer here, really. He directed Crawl. Yeah. Uh, mm. which as is, soon as I saw Alexandra Aja, I was like, oh, this is actually gonna be solid because Crawl <laughs> is a Crawl is one of the first movies we did, and it was great. Oh, Crawl, okay. I'm Alexander glad you feel this Aja way. knows. He, of the new French extremity horror directors from the 2000s, has had the kind of most enduring widespread success. Mm. Alexandra Aja is really good at knowing the assignment of whatever the movie is that he is doing. He was very comfortable in the extreme environs of a French horror in the aughts. He was a boundary pusher there. He was one of the signature names. And then he goes on and he makes something like Horns, mm-hmm. which is a strange genre blending fantasy movie with Juno Temple and Daniel Radcliffe. And for all the things that that movie was, somehow it felt like Alexander Aja had a very clear sense of purpose for what the sort of madness of this movie was. And then you get a movie like Crawl, which is an excellent B movie, alligator B movie, and then you get a leaning far into the comedy and farce of a B movie with Piranha 3D. <laughs> and he feels like each time he is he is concisely delivering on his premise. Get in and out in like an hour and a half, and let's establish the like few key things we want to hit and deliver to the audiences, like base brain receptors, and then get get out of here before the party gets stale. <laughs> That's a fabulous description. <laughs> I I had seen this ages ago. I think I saw this in the theater when it came out. And it like it's a good time. I had fun with it. And then I like when I was I didn't I wanted to watch again for the pod, obviously, but I was like, do I need to like dedicatedly watch this again for the pod? Like, because I don't think there's too much going on. And I managed to sit and like with one earbud in watch while editing a podcast episode, which <laughs> I never do. I never split time between media. I'm not good at that. But this movie, you, it is the broadest strokes. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, you don't need to necessarily have your eyes on the screen to know what's happening. You just miss a lot of like really big boobs and labia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Alex, do you remember watching it originally? Like, do you remember yeah. kind of what you took from it at the time? So in my brain, here's what this movie was in my brain. Mm, mm-hmm. In my brain, Paul Shearer is the is the star of this movie, which wow. just shows like, which just shows where my allegiances lie, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like, I was like, Paul Shearer's the star of this movie. He plays like a, a, a mere do well. I don't know, like some, someone who's related to the police wow. and, and um, shenanigans ensue, I guess. And there's, and, and I remember so distinctly the third act, which yeah. is, which is basically like, this this all leads towards. I saw some website called basically like the Schlock Saving Private Ryan, like you know, <laughs> Normandy Beach situation. Yes, like makes total it's, sense. It's nuts. I remember that very much, and that's it. Like I don't remember, and I remember watching Piranha 3D not long. Excuse me, 3DD. Yeah, not long after, and I re- I remember that being like very boobsy, like that that was kind of its whole deal. Yeah. But for some reason, I for, didn't. None of that registered. Like, I, I clearly become a Puritan when I get high because none of the, like, wow. sex in this movie registered. or Not not even sex. They call it sex is, is insulting to sex. Like, none of the, like, right. you know, oogling, yeah. ogling uh, registered in this movie. Um, so it was very... And then seeing Jerry O'Connell. Um, yeah, that's um, going to come as a surprise for you Jerry if O'Connell. you think that the movie is centered was, around Paul Shear. You're totally. really going to be caught off guard with Jerry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really, I was, I was very surprised. And then Vanessa wow. from Gossip Girl, which was mm-hmm. a delightful. Yeah, Jessica Jor is here. Delightful surprise. Um, this, it, yeah. like, like you said about the third act, though, like that, that the like all, you know, this movie exists so Aja can get to <laughs> that. Yeah, Everything else is just like, listen, in, it, it could just be a scene out of context of this happening, but I, I, I need to have a movie leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Because one thing this movie definitely delivers on is one of the best go, go for fucking broke, bloody, gory people in pieces, yeah, silly <laughs> spectacles you could ever want to see. Mm-hmm, incredibly successful carnage <laughs> at what is not Lake Havasu but Lake Victoria in this movie but essentially a Lake Havasu spring break destination mm-hmm. like that- I wish I could have seen the fucking pandemonium of this being shot yeah totally definitely that's how I feel I love every time we see a limb stripped down to bone <laughs> With that like, was little, really, yeah, little moving bits and, toes yeah. and ankles, every puppeteered, meaty, loose, <laughs> gory appendage, hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Amanda's yeah. like, I was, yeah, that was the hard. As someone who does not like gore and uh, doesn't do horror particularly, yeah, that was definitely consistently the part. Where I was like, oh, I remember when you say consistently the part, it becomes the entire movie, Amanda. <laughs> I know. So to give a little explanation here, I accidentally first watched Piranha Double D. Yeah. Uh, the other night and quite enjoyed it, by the way. Mm-hmm. I have to say it was a superior sequel. It was one of the rare times where the sequel, I think, actually does better than the <laughs> than the movie it preceded it. When you open with Busey, like what can go wrong? You open right. it, Which I got to say, though, like you open with Dreyfus in this one. Yeah, and totally. I, 
<laughs> I, I got a lot of respect for the fact that Dreyfus shows up, gets a paycheck, sings one line from the song. Well, yep. that is definitely his specialty. <laughs> yeah. At this juncture. No, that that was definitely, that paid, that didn't pay for maybe Ben's, you know, college, but it definitely paid for like the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, kitchen I think like, model. I think he, I think Ben once mentioned, I forget the one Ben mentioned. Oh, it was Poseidon. Where, it was Poseidon where he yeah, was like, Poseidon, yeah, I paid where, for your like, college. Why did you do this, Richard? Yeah. He was like, $5 million. And he laughed. <laughs> Yeah, and then but what I found funny about this one is there's no way this movie had five dollars to spend on him. Like <laughs> no, they spent. They were like, movie. "Will you do this for forty thousand dollars to shoot for three hours?" Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll do that for forty thousand And then he bought a new kitchen. Like that's hundred percent what happened with <laughs> yeah, Richard in this case. Which you I know, would take it if I get to that level of fame where I can make a cameo role show up cite broadly my other thing that people know me from and then (laughs) take home forty thousand dollars yeah yeah give me that yeah i I just watched there's a girl from 90 day fiance who's selling her farts in jars and my friend was like can you believe that somebody's doing this and i was like fucking get it hell yeah get it Make I'm the sure money she's doing it however she can. can. It's worth the trouble for her to participate in whatever this process is. I know she's getting that paid. Farts preserve. I'm pretty sure she can just send jars of that's air based on being hot. That, yeah, that's all I mean. Is like yeah. whatever level of her participation is in this, like posting an Instagram. Like it is the cost benefit <laughs> of it is like, oh yeah, I'm getting dollars for this. Yeah. Like I'll so make that, that is, post. That's why Richard Dreyfus is in this jar. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, this, this is his. This, this is his fart in a jar. Honestly, this is something of a fart in a jar, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. No, the whole premise is truly spring break on Lake Victoria, and there are prehistoric piranhas that surface after an earthquake in this lake. There are a lot of people around, and there are a lot of piranhas. And I love. Here we I, go. And I love, like, I was just I, because I'm a fucking nerd in like, the <laughs> capital N sense. I was just at the National Public Library researching old horror and reading Excellent. like an, an old book about like about why horror sort of resonates with people. And I, mean, I am a horror. I think you you I'm and Jordan to need to that talk any separately. <laughs> like we were really, on a documentary over the summer about the history of queer presentation. Representation oh, you worked in that. I didn't. That's great. The one yeah, that was for, that my was friend that Sam Sh- Wyman is the yes. director of the Shutter's docuseries. That's about awesome. that i'm an associate producer on it um, and that was my horror was my area of specialization when i worked at vulture it's my well, passion so yeah i'm right i mean i'm very much right there with you and this this book was basically making the argument that like everyone thinks that like uh, that the um you know like elizabethan theater was like uh uh smart and bright and a fet and like it right. was like it yeah. was like sensitive, but, but they they were making the argument there's like no 95% of it was exploitation and schlock right. like there was, was a lot like of men dressing it like probably cross dressing totally. and scatological humor well in like in like they would have like they would have actual animal bladders filled with sheep's blood so that when like there was like a stab, they could just like spray the uh, <laughs> spray the stage in the audience with blood. Like people, yeah. the other thing I didn't realize, which was fantastic is like, uh, I mean, it's not fantastic if you were the person <laughs> affected, but they used real swords on stage. So people get killed in the, in the actual, in the actual <laughs> fights, like audience members would get killed because like people would get out of hand and get like slashed in the front. Like it was, it was wild. And I liked, so I, the other, I've been talking about this, not kind of nonstop, but I saw, I saw um, last night in Soho the other night. It's a gorgeous movie. It's like beautifully made. It's all this, whatever, it but like beautifully it, made. And I have other opinions. Yeah. It thought it had a message and it, I don't think that any of them landed very well. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a messy implementation. Whereas yeah. like Piranha has no message. No, it, it's like the like film equivalent of dubstep. Like, it's just like, 
it's like of a time, yeah. very much of a time, yes. very loud about it. And yeah. it, 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 the, you know, the like drop happens like three or four times in a big way in the movie and then it's done. Yeah. I mean, I would it. argue it was when we get to the, was this movie really about, I think this has a rich subtext, but yes. I'm excited I, for that. I'm excited <laughs> for that. But yeah, I do. But like the, the Elizabethan theater thing, like the whole thing with Elizabethan theater. And that's why, like, when you look at Shakespeare, why, the, the Shakespeare play Shakespeare's plays have like sword fights and shit on stage because that's what the audience needed. Right. They needed that level of chaos. They wanted ghosts. They wanted to show up and be like, give me witches, give me ghosts. And I want yeah. to see like at least half the cast die. Yeah. Like, it isn't maybe Titus Andronicus actually. is metal totally. as fuck. Not because yeah. Titus Andronicus is metal as fuck. Like for the era, for the era, totally on board with like totally in line with everything else they had. It's that for, for modern sensibilities, you're like, what the fuck were they doing? Well, it's like how, like, how you have anything said in, like, the Regency era mm-hmm. and anything that's not acknowledging how, like, fucking putrid and yeah. awful <laughs> that era and, like, just people shitting in court and smelling horrible <laughs> and, like, they're, they're, like, dressed all in finery, but, like, they're perfumed to hell because everybody smells like they're rotting. Like, the, like yeah, you is- shaved, you shaved your head and then wore a wig because otherwise you'd have mites. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is, this is what, this is the glam era guys. So yeah, I think that is, that is crucial background information here. And it really like it, I love that it puts a movie like Piranha in conversation with something like Elizabethan theater. Yeah. Like, I would, fucking yeah, it does, man. <laughs> I would think that I would argue that this movie is as much a kind of capturing the tail end of the Von Dutch era oh, yeah. of the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I think that this Absolutely. captures a very specific, in the same way that Elizabethan, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabethan theater captures that era and their sensibilities. Likewise, this movie is basically a Von Dutch trucker hat covered in Ed Hardy. Yeah. Like yes. one of the, the main plot lines is something that will be completely unrecognizable to anybody who was born right. in 2000 or later, which teens. is Girls Gone Wild. Teens mm-hmm. not, yeah, we have, right. we have, we have Girls Jerry Gone Wild O'Connell doesn't basically exist playing. anymore. Joe Francis in this movie. And I can look at that and say, oh, that's a Joe Francis character. And I could talk to even a dear 25 year old friend of mine. They have no idea. They they would not have seen on Comedy Central all of the ads after 11 o'clock at night for Girls Gone Wild. They'd be like, what? You you just get porn on the internet. Why do I need to see topless college girls like kissing each other? Right. That's like very staged to seem like it's not staged. Like there's a, yeah, Yeah. there is a very fascinating, absolutely. Like there are things that like this is there the fabric that this is made of are like things (laughs) that were real to the time for sure. And like, and also like it, I I like that, you know, we get the satisfaction of of seeing, you know, the Joe Francis-esque character get mutilated to have to live through the mutilation for a long yeah. time, have his yeah. dick ripped off, have yeah. a, a fish eat his mm-hmm. dick and then spit his dick out. Like, <laughs> and then vomit it back out. Yeah. That's great. That's great. But then excellent also like work there. this excellent dick work. This movie hates everybody too, which I just like uh-huh. everybody goes. Adam Scott goes. Like yeah. everybody goes. Ben Rames goes. And we <laughs> yeah. love him. Spoiler alert, he returns in the second movie. Oh, that's great news. Oh, Is great. he a mess? Does he have legs? No, he does not have legs. Okay, he has okay. titanium. Did they give him a body bag? No, they, he has titanium poles for legs, oh. and one of them can Great. turn into a shotgun. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, perfect. Um, and it somehow it, yeah. it's actually pretty great. And somehow Paul Shear ends up being like his caretaker. <laughs> they have like this little cameo. I might remember 
this yeah. uh, maybe part of my thing is I conflated the two and just took mm. out all the Paul Shear. I don't know Paul, why. You, but... All you remember the Paul Shear is the Paul Shear of it. Yeah, he returns. <laughs> Do you remember him trying to tip Vin, Ving Rames into a pool while Ving Rames is yelling, "I don't want to go in the water." No, but I can't wait to rewatch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, shocking to my own shock. I have not watched the Piranha sequels. No, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited it's, to watch Piranha sequels. I got to say the Piranha sequel. I can't believe was... you beat me to the Piranha sequel. <laughs> I can't either. And I can't believe how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really, I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. I mean, I, watched that... the, I remember the four movies I watched in that stretch of time. Because I watched... <laughs> How Rob Zombie's Halloween one and two, Jesus and watching Halloween two again, just profoundly high. I was like, I can't. I just remember just being in terror, like, abdi, 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 abdi. in the house with me. Was <laughs> and then I was like, I need to lighten up. Like this is a long story. This must have been a weekend, but I was like, I can't do that again. So I watched these two in a row. I was like, this is glorious. <laughs> I were, like, I, I fairly recently watched Halloween two, Zombies Halloween two, and a friend at one point it was with a group of people and a friend looked over at one point and he just goes it was like three quarters of the way through and he says could you imagine feeling anything <laughs> like i'm trying to think of like what could happen in this movie to like make me feel something and like i don't know and it was like that's a perfect reaction to this but yes. like i i'm i i like so much that i love knowing that whoever got the script for piranha and signed on to piranha you there was no there could be no illusion about yeah. what was they were like everybody in it down to clown jerry o'connell obviously always up for a game like yes. this like jessica sure she's having fun it's the 2000s gossip girl's still on <laughs> elizabeth was she, shoe. always happy to insight. see elizabeth shoe alex has actually sent me a quote earlier that's how i realized i was watching the wrong piranha <laughs> because i was like jessica's not in this movie and then i realized that i'd watched the wrong one alex do you want to bring back up that little fun fact you found it was just this? it was like uh, the reason i brought it up is it's funny that it's in her wikipedia entry like <laughs> this is such like an inconse- inconsequential thing about her life and this is in her <laughs> wikipedia entry it says, argue it shows what a good actress she is but keep going is this how, how do you say her last name sure is that it sure i think it's sure sure yeah. so uh, Jor has appeared in small roles in films such as Somebody Help Me, The Reading Room Fired Up. She signed on to Dimension Films Horror, Piranha 3D, in the role of Kelly. The role required her to be underwater. She later told the New York Daily News that filming was difficult because she was not the best swimmer. That's like in her <laughs> bio. Yeah. That's, that's a stands kind of detail. They're like, I'm not leaving this out. But you know, I'm it's important to I'm emphasize no stone unturned for Jessica's her commitment bio. to acting. Because even though she wasn't She's the strongest swimmer, she put herself in well, and was she, willing to go through it. I think she, I love her so much, like in, mm-hmm. in Gossip Girl. I, I think yeah. that she's, she's like, obviously always a breath of fresh air because you're like, she, you're not abjectly evil. So it's nice to have you, right? <laughs> no, um, but she was like deeply, like Vanessa was probably, like we can have an entire conversation about Vanessa and Vanessa's many accessories <laughs> at another time. But I love, I, I like, one thing that I do like about this movie is like these two people, like mm-hmm. her and Steve McQueen's grandson, who yes. is the, the, uh, the lead, is. Are, are both like likable people. Yeah. Like yeah. in the middle of all of this pandemonium and it's very fun. Like the parts that are funny are very funny or the they parts are, that are, are scatological or very like whatever. But like these people are actually likable. Like his the, the stakes with his siblings mm-hmm. being in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I, I don't want these children to die. Surprise. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and be, yeah, given, they were and not, given the nature they were not of the bad. movie. Yeah. 
given the nature of the movie, you're not actually sure those kids aren't going to die. Yeah, yeah no, they're like, no, 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 they no. were. These kids could get stripped for parts yeah. by these piranhas. Like this, <laughs> we are in this kind of scenario, and they're likable disaster children, like which is yes. rare. Yeah. As we've, you know, we we have a sliding a scale of disaster point. kids, and those are actually pretty likable ones. Like, yeah, they do what they're not supposed to. They go out in a canoe, as as we all know, ten year olds are wont to do. But <laughs> I mean, other I've than- never been a canoe. I've never been a ten year old raised on a lake. I don't know what they do. <laughs> but like, they're they're not bad kids, and like they for the most part just do what they're told and and just kind of hang out as opposed to some really awful whiny disaster like they could have been bad disaster kids but the one thing that this script really does is it does try to put like some decent humanity into pretty much anybody that isn't Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> well, and I, I think, and, and Aja, and Aja does a really smart thing in this movie with like, cause the, when you meet the Jerry character, um, yeah. you're like, oh, if you know of like the Joe Francis situation, you're like, oh, there's the creepy rapey guy who runs Girls Gone Wild. And, but for the most part, he's like, he, he's a sleaze, but he's not like dangerous. And you're like, oh, I'm having a fun with this guy. Like maybe he is just like a well-meaning slime ball. And then he starts doing too much cocaine mm-hmm. and he turns into like a dark-sided bastard. Like the movie knows that it wasn't just going to throw Jerry O'Connell to the piranhas. It needed to actually make you start rooting for Jerry O'Connell to go to the piranhas <laughs> because he's no more sleazy up to that point than the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. But then he suddenly gets kind of scary and upsetting yeah. where he's like yelling at the women on the boat and he's being like kind of borderline abusive. And you're like, oh, now it's time. There, I saw you come in fucking villain Jerry O'Connell. And now <laughs> it's time for your whole lower half to get eaten by piranhas. Mm-hmm. It gives you a great villain. It gives you a great heel turn where you think like, oh, this movie's operating on one single note and it's not, but I will. And there are two, the two things that I feel like this encapsulate this movie best are a, the like bloodbath at the, at the Harbor, at the docks. And then the swimming naked women. I was going to bring that up The in flippers. Yeah. The, the, the basically girls gone wild models who become mermaids in this sequence essentially. And are like, clearly like the way it's a beautifully shot sequence of these women underwater. There's no sand. Like they're just swimming. And like, it's very, you've got like the murky depths behind them. And they're they're not even like gratuitously making out. They're not even gratuitous. They're like, just like playfully touching each other. (laughs) And it lasts there. It's like they're, they're holding their breath for 15 minutes. And it's also clear that like it was shot in a tank somewhere. And then they were like grafted into the environment. So it becomes like almost this, fantasy sequence like dream sequence yeah it was women the, it was, swimming underwater it was the naked titty dream ballet of this yeah. movie <laughs> like in the the words, this- and jerry o'connell actually says i think it's jerry o'connell's character mm-hmm. actually says if fish look like this i'd only fuck fish i would and only I just fuck fish just that is fabulous right <laughs> that could actually be the tagline for this movie <laughs> yeah i love i love i i mean but i also I was going to say just in terms of the, the, the naked dream ballet moments, like everything, but the one thing that kept pulling me out, the fucking flippers. Like it's very, if we want to talk about the reality index of things for a second. I fully believed that we would have this beautiful artistic long thing that he would never truly understand or appreciate the art he was making, but he was right. certainly making art. I can buy that. I can't buy that he would let them go in the water with flippers because there's nothing less sexy than a naked person with flippers on their feet. That's I do think stirring sex. I do think we are. I do think we are overestimating in this carnal way the common man who would even. I feel like I could ask at this time this movie came out. If I went to see this with like a bunch of guys I knew, I'd be like, "What was with the flippers?" They'd be like, 
flippers? What flippers? <laughs> I didn't see. I, was that when they were on the beach? This, so was this is a shoe wearing flippers. I don't remember that. This is the thing that I enjoy. Like that point in the movie though is where yeah. it goes from being like like nude gaze like yeah. like, like check out all of the women who are like dancing around or whatever too to uh everyone becomes food right so like yes. every time someone like because there's there's that they there's there's that setup there but then there's the, also the setup where um they're supposed to be capturing this woman who's parasailing topless oh my that's God. right yes and, and then she just becomes a, basically a tea bag where she goes in the water <laughs> and then is like shredded in the water and comes out and is is meat yeah and then later <laughs> later in the pandemonium we have like there's like a there's like i think it's like a cable or something is sort of like oh, whipping yeah, through yes. the air but yeah, snaps. the cable. Yes. Oh, and it wraps around. It wraps around a woman or a couple of women. It just and, cuts through them. It just immediately right. cuts through them and but, does the clean. But sweep. for a second, for a second, yep. like mm-hmm. it, it's like their, their tops come off, yep. right? So their tops yep. like slide off a little bit. You're like, that's interesting. And then they slide apart, and it yep. goes from it goes from again like being like we're selling this movie on boobs to like every <laughs> time you see them, some bad shit is happening. It's, very bad and shit it's, good. it's like a Pavlovian. They're trying to get that Pavlovian yeah. response of like having an erection, but it, then suddenly you're like, I regret everything. Yes, a fish might eat your erection. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and then every, every, every person with a gun turns into a sharpshooter and they are picking <laughs> off these piranhas out of the air with shotguns when they are just shooting seemingly indiscriminately into the water with buckshot. Yeah. Like, what is that Adam, doing? Adam Scott on a jet ski with a shotgun shooting. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. Adam Scott. Like, Adam, anyone, Adam Scott. Anyone who's not watching this movie, just pick, or haven't watched this movie, just picture Adam Scott in your mind's yeah. eye with a yeah. shotgun. <laughs> with a shotgun on a jet ski cutting through the water filled with half-naked people covered and in blood. And he can't miss. <laughs> and he can't miss natural. with that shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe you have Dina Meyer in a movie like this and you don't make her the jet ski shotgun one like you feed fucking Adam to the piranhas and you have Dina goddamn sharp like Starship Troopers Meyer B movie icon you give her the shotgun oh my god rude completely rude I I love the underwater cavern, the under the the subterranean lake scene. I love the discovery (laughs) because the the earthquake opens up the subterranean lake where these piranhas have been since, I don't know, prehistoric times. And then suddenly they're they're out. They're in the lake, like the not subterranean lake where they can kill and eat everybody. And I love seeing the little baby eggs. And I love the swarm kills. I love Mm. the swarm kills. Those are outstanding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the design, I, I, I don't know. I think this movie's great. Like, I, 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 again, like, I had no idea. complaint besides the Dina Meyer thing. I, I, well, I had no idea what I was going into, like, we know. And, and I think for the first half hour, I felt like it was dicey. I was yeah. like, oh, is it this, like, this yeah. whole time? Totally. And then, but, like, as a setup as a like mm-hmm. bringing you to a time and a place and bringing mm-hmm. you to like a mm-hmm. very like like an like an uber sexualized uh spring break which is yeah what destination spring breaks are like yeah um, um i was like uh but then when that we use that as a launch pad for everything that happened i thought it was fantastic and the the um you know like looking at it from the disaster perspective mm-hmm. of uh, it, it, this is this is obviously like a natural disaster that's happening in an area. We need to have people be saved. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, we realize that even not everyone is going to be saved. Oh, very satisfying. Yeah. 
No, also, it's good. And oh, they, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say like it, the way that they do kind of ramp up the, they do a nice job of kind of scaling up the, the sense of chaos as it happens. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. it unfolds. Yeah, and also with the like with the the exploitation movie aspect of it, it's very like at a certain point, it, it's so gratuitous that it just becomes antiseptic. Like, <laughs> you know, I hope everybody felt safe on set and and that. But like as far as the movie, like I'm not watching it being like, wow, objectification. <laughs> it's like this isn't even like every, literally every this movie is objectification like there's there's we've so the snake has eaten its tail this is now it's not feminist but suddenly it's like this is so equal opportunity that we're gonna see a piranha vomit up a dick (laughs) that like obviously there's always gonna be a disparity between male nudity and female nudity but it didn't feel at any point like wow they're just trying to bait and switch me with something else or this movie thinks it's like saying something and it's just trash it's like no it's trash this yeah. movie's just this movie's trash. It's gleefully trash. And I think arriving at the time that it did, when did this come out like 2010? 2010. I think it is a fascinating kind of time capsule where you're coming off of an era, particularly in genre, in the aughts, where these movies have veered into exploitation territory. The violence is more violent, the gore <laughs> is is more gory, the the boobs, the boot cuts, every pair of pants has a one-inch zipper and every girl's <laughs> top is a bra and but nine scarves and vests and you know crazy accessories and tans and snooky and jersey shore and all that kind of stuff. You have a movie that like just leans so hard into the things we were soaking all of our genre and pop culture with on the music scene to the film scene. Like it is baked so much into everything that all this movie is doing is putting a fucking clown hat on it. Like (laughs) that is all this movie is doing. It is no more guilty of any transgression than any horror film, big budget horror film that came out in the two thousands. Like this is just put sorority row on a lake for spring break. And sorority row is one of my, you know, 2009 is one of my favorite horror movies of all time, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. So like, I appreciate the naked acknowledgement of the value system and aesthetic of the cultural in that era and just hanging it out to dry to have the most like poke fun at it fun with. I love that. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's extraordinarily well said. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's when we go into, yeah, this this kind of feels like a send off of the odds. Yeah. Right. This does, this feels very much like that capstone of like, this is, we're done. Okay, guys, say goodbye to all of this. Like MTV's spring break is not going to be relevant anymore. Right. I say, I say that all the time where I'm like, where anytime I talk to someone who's, who's, you know, relatively younger and they're like, what were the nineties? Like, and I'm like, I'm like, I feel like a send offs go like Woodstock 99 made like a lot of sense. Like it feels yeah. like, cause it's like, and this is like <laughs> cinematic Woodstock 99. Yeah. Like this movie, a little less dangerous. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) let's put the two thousands in a blender and, and like pour sugar and the worst and the lowest shelf tequila you can find. (laughs) And it's a, it's a two thousands margarita. And (laughs) I like, it is, it's, it will make you feel, you know, great in the moment, maybe horrible the next day kind of thing, (laughs) but like, you'll survive. Mm. It, it just, I, I, it is such a, and it's such too, as, as far as horror goes, it was the last true era of excess 
And that is to me the most beloved part of the era in horror about it. Like regardless of how you feel about like the, the remake machine, the Michael Bayization, as I often talk about on other podcasts of horror in that time, really kicking off of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003, produced by Platinum Doom, and then obviously moving through huge spectacle remakes, 13 Ghosts, House of Wax, like all of these things where you had these movies that were bigger than life with these incredible budgets and these star-studded ensemble casts of sexy WB like actors, every, it was maximalist. And now there just isn't, the money's not there. The money's not there for horror, unless you are Guillermo del Toro making a high concept horror film, making Crimson Peak, that money is, you're, you're making, you're making, you know, single location crocodile movies at this point. If you want (laughs) to, this, you can put on fucking Lake Havasu and there's practical effects all over. It is, I miss so much the era of maximalism in that way. And watching this feels like, oh yeah, we're literally never going to get back to something like this as a matter of course, in the way that Piranha 3D could exist at the time. That's why, and those are all, those are all points that I hadn't considered with regard to like what it exists within. Like I was never a fan of that, that Bay remake period. I wasn't Mm -hmm. a fan. And I I have an entire podcast dedicated to it. (laughs) It was specifically why I wasn't a fan is like all the things that felt like they were being remade were, were the original was irreverent. It's like what, what people's criticism of the new Ghostbusters movie is, right. Mm -hmm. Is that it's like, Mm -hmm. you're taking an irreverent property and like, and like being very, 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 very reverent about it. Yeah. You're being very reverent. There's a preciousness to it. That's like, that's not supposed to exist in conjunction with that thing. Exactly. And I think that like what I really enjoy about this and you put it into words in a way that I I would not have is that it is that maximalism that I probably would have appreciated in a different context without the reverence. Like there was no, this wasn't like Joe Dante's original piranha is important (laughs) and we need to like, Mm -hmm. we need to, they were like, no, like, let's just take the loose concept, yep. get fucking nasty in the way Nas- that yeah. we do with 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 uh, exploitation films and make an honest-to-God exploitation film with a budget. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, and I think that is a fascinating thing about the sort of 2000s aspect of it too is you have a movie like Jennifer's Body that mm-hmm. is so transcendently good that it is so aware of its era that it's commenting on its era. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with uh, my Ots co-host uh, friend Sam recently about Sorority Row, how the joy of Sorority Row is that it's giving you all, it's giving you so many of the terrible things about the 2000s, but in a delicious way, <laughs> whereas something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is giving you all the terrible TCM like 03 and those remakes. It's giving you the worst of the 2000s, but in a way that makes you feel bad. It's the <laughs> dark side. This is taking the two, taking so many hallmarks of the, the, the yeah. ostentatiousness, the maximalism, stunt casting, mm. big, ridiculous, misogynist, fucking sexist, exploitative, but being like, no, we know. We know. <laughs> like, you're having fun though, yeah. right? And you're kind of like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, like I didn't want to be having a good time, but I'm having a good time. I'm it's, having a good time, It's sort man. of where I'm at with this, like, I, as a humorless feminist, like, <laughs> you know, I, I hear you. I wanted to be like, man, I hate, but like, I was, I was just like, yeah, come on, bring it on more. Yeah. Give yeah. me more of this. Just inject it right into my veins because it's yeah. so absolutely absurd and aware of what it's doing. And like, this is more so again with like, when I was watching the sequel, what I was really struck by, it's less so with this and a little more so with mm. the sequel, but there's very much this vibe of they're like, okay, we know we have to have tits. 
<laughs> right. You know, we have to show there is the studio has mandated a bare the minimum first movie of 14 set a sets standard. of breasts. Yeah. And we have to at least show three vulvas. Mm-hmm. But after that, we're, we're getting into, we're making a movie. We're making yeah, a fucking we movie. We are making this movie. And that really is like, it feels like they did the math with both of these movies where they did the math and like, what is the absolute bare minimum of this amount of we can show so yeah. that we can make the movie we want to make. Yeah. And that's very much what this movie feels like. And definitely Prana Double D feels like way more even of those just like how do we make the movie we want to make but uh-huh. also get the studio to give us the money for the movie they think we're going to make right. and um that i think is part of the charm of this movie is that they fucking manage it and they do it with a decent they get christopher lloyd come christopher on christopher lloyd is here who's lloyd. a pet shop owner but also <laughs> paleontologist yeah yeah he's a paleontologist and christopher he, lloyd was on set for 45 minutes yep. and just blew it away it was, yeah best it was use wonderful. of short short amounts of time to cast legends honestly he's the way that we though. got richard dreyfus and christopher lloyd i was <laughs> like if meryl streep shows up i won't be surprised like, meryl streep we... actually <laughs> did all the animatics for all of the piranhas. she doesn't talk about it but yeah she was all of she you know how like uh, that one guy does Gollum. like she did all of the animatics for She's all of the, the Andy circus of piranha. She yeah. certainly is. Oh, that's yeah. good to know. She could. Yeah. She so squeezed she could. it in there after Julia and Julia. She wanted a different like kind good of vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I, I like kind of want like I want somebody to undertake the fool's errand of being like, I'm gonna make piranha, but like I'm gonna write the wrongs. Like, and <laughs> just make a fucking joyless movie that like I can hate. Like, yeah. be yeah, like, oh no. God. Give me other piranha, like give me the indecency. Even like even the way the women are shaped in this movie. Like mm-hmm. Jessica Jore, she maintains fully closed status the entire time. But anybody who's going without a top, no. any woman who's going without a top, it is they their bodies were bought and paid for and bless them. They look amazing. But like yeah. the the artificiality of how the bodies are presented. Yeah, they're from a, they're from a pre-indie internet porn era. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, there is. They have like that very specific porn boob look yep, that right. is like one kind of, there's like one kind of boob that that is. And it's yeah. like the, the, the breasts face They're straight high forward and separated. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Studio well, boobs. They're the and ones that the even, studio demanded. Like you yes, said, there's exactly. even a conversation about, but the fact what lets this movie be this movie is that we meet one of the wild mm-hmm. girls via a conversation about her boob. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's just not fuck around. It's like, it's so, oh my God, it's so 2000s to I have watched, a little girl, a little yes, precocious exactly. girl mm-hmm. who like seems like she's going to go to MIT someday or something. Like she's driven. <laughs> and she sees this gorgeous woman and she's like, hey, you're pretty. You got great boobs. And she's like, <laughs> and Thanks. then my brother would like them, which and was my a brother, little. And, but then my brother would like them and she goes, yeah, they all do. Like, <laughs> I, love, girls, I loved that so they, much. Like, they yeah, all it, do. They all it put so much agency in mm-hmm. her hands mm-hmm. in that moment. And the little girl's like, oh, I want boobs too. It was like, wow, let's just mm-hmm. watch the beauty industrial complex destroy a child in a few fun lines. Like this is <laughs> incredible. That that it, scene, it actually I, just goes just shy of passing the Bechdel test, doesn't it? <laughs> you're right. 
this close. <laughs> it gets really close. If she hadn't mentioned her brother, I feel like that could have passed the Bechdel test. That scene <laughs> is, I didn't like, I didn't realize it, but we covered a, you are good not long ago, um, Hocus Pocus. And there's mm-hmm. the scene where Thora Birch remarks on, uh, I forget, well, how does she refer to that woman's breast? Like gazungas or like something, <laughs> oh, something nuts, like yeah. something that yeah. is, and then she's like, my brother likes them too. And he's like right there. And I was like, you never see that in a movie. That's especially a kid's movie. That's a strange thing. And this is basically that same exact scene yes. from Hocus Pocus. In yeah. Are they this talking movie. about Sarah well, Jessica Parker in that scene? Or are they talking about Vanessa No, I Shaw? wish they were. They were talking about, who was the, um, is Vanessa is Vanessa Shaw is the uh, beautiful favorite actress who she's like the girl involved, like the pretty yeah, girl involved. Vanessa, in that. that's that's but like Sarah Jessica Parker's like in the corset and like totally. her she's she it, has like the Victorian cleavage. It's like a featured yeah. player. It's a lot to deal with yeah. as like a young boy. Oh my god, yeah. As a as a young queer girl, the, the hotness of Sarah Jessica Parker in that movie is like she's so pretty. Oh my god. Like that is that between Thackeray Banks. And her and, and Max is shot. really androgynous Max, as well, too. Yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah is that's like fun. that's one of the big bisexual awakening yes. movies yeah. in the 90s for, oh. for, for tweens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is you have those two and a cat. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect a setup. <laughs> <laughs> no, I there is something like it, it really speaks to it really speaks to the value of committing this mm. movie. Mm-hmm. Like because it, it, it like if you if you don't if you only half ass it it's like how it's like how in like a in a physically intensive like dangerous for like gymnastics or something they say like you know w- people get hurt when they don't commit like people yeah. get hurt when they once don't you fo- the, once you go into the once you go into the tumble you have you can't bail out yeah like people get hurt when they get scared this movie doesn't get scared so the <laughs> the product does not get hurt in the process, yeah. and it's kind of like listen, if you just go, if you just go floor it, Haley, and bring this to life, like you will get me to go on the journey with you. Odds are, like this movie, this I feel like the actual the locus of everything this movie is is that Eli Roth is like a knockoff of a knockoff of Joe Francis, <laughs> and gets the most incredible fucking death in the entire movie for my money, where he's like he's like trying to climb up on a boat, he's like been having the wet t shirt contest and being fucking misogynist. He, he calls by the way he calls breasts danny devito's at one point which <laughs> i think God. is really the only time anybody has ever said that about breasts before <laughs> yeah, yeah like, he like is, that he was oh he was 100 <laughs> ad libbing yeah that yeah. had to be an ad lib at that point where there's like just keep yelling things that you want you know, he's yelling like show us the jug show us the jigglies break out the water cannon <laughs> yeah. and then at one point, like, let me see the danny devito's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and again, like he was just getting off in Glorious Bastards. Like he like yeah. lo- he like walked off that set and then went as the knockoff to knockoff of, of uh, Joe Francis. Yeah, like and like happened. had had been a just such a such a like such a a sculptor in the aughts of mm-hmm. the worst of us on display <laughs> and just the most fucking mm-hmm. misogynistic homophobic trash. And then he's like in he's in the girls gone wild guy. And then he's like trying to get up on a boat and another boat drives by and just explodes his fucking head, pinning him between another boat. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This movie knew that Eli Roth needed to die. And that, like the 2000s, like why this guy could step into this role and have a good time and why he is this. This movie was like, no, this fucking guy's got to go. Yeah. Like ultimately this movie knows who needs to die. And I think that's a real testament to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And definitely. again, just the sight of Jerry O'Connell's little meat sticks 
coming off the bottom of this. Can body. you describe? So, Amanda, as someone who is not into gore, can you just mm-hmm. like describe like what? So from his from his pelvis down yeah. to his yeah. feet, just describe what that looks like. That's a good. So, that's a great question. That's a great question. So it looks like someone has taken a Halloween skeleton. Yes, and then dipped it in mac red lipstick (laughs) (laughs) and covered in like flaming hot mac and cheese yeah and then like goo (laughs) there was a great there was a sense of i don't know that you saw goo but there was a sense of goo that Um, is what that is where this gore really succeeds is because little spindly stick like little skeletony legs and arms is funny but they put a lot of gristle on that (laughs) stuff to make it be like ew like it's the perfect and when you just it felt like I could, I could hear what that sounded like, and I didn't yeah. want any of it. It was, it was deeply unsettling. Um, I did definitely like as I was watching, I was like, "This is not real." When there, like, when there's this two is people, happening, when there's two people carrying a woman to the beach, and it looks like she's they've saved her, and half. they just fucking rip her in half, and then yeah. she has like a moment where she's like, "Ah!" Before she just. I thought that was amazing. It's like, amazing. It's such a good detail where yeah. she sees that she's split and then she just like fades out like Johnny Five's run yeah. out. <laughs> they they <laughs> let that moment breathe long yeah. enough for her to know what's going, for her to be cognizant of what's happening. Like and there was no need for her to be split in half, but I appreciate that she was. That's not really something that anatomically made there's a lot like of a, sense. Then there's but- like and then there's like a sinew holding on yeah. before it like snaps. It's like, oh, oh yeah. No, they that, really, they really the experimented with reveling in that. Yeah. They really experimented with what the best ways to just kind of take, pull apart a human body. Like it's one of those monkey cakes that you eat. With, <laughs> a monkey you know, bread? Yeah. Monkey bread. <laughs> you don't get this. In, you don't get this. In, you're the experts, but like you don't mm-hmm. get this kind of gore and disaster. Films. Not early. Not oddly, in the same way. Oddly, where I feel like it is most surprisingly likely made for TV movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> Some of the fucking deaths yeah, we see, like there's in Stonados. Oh my God, Stonados has some brutal deaths. In Stonados, where there's tornadoes throwing stones <laughs> into Boston, <laughs> there is a parts moment. of Plymouth Rock, which is really just parts iconic. Of Plymouth Rock, get crushed somebody. There is a stone that like flies from the sky. It hits a gully. Like this is like it's made. It's pandemonium. There's stones coming from the sky. One guy gets hit, pinned up against a wall. The yeah. camera stays on the stone long enough for you to see his hand quiver as he does (laughs) there's just like a flick and a quiver there's another one i forget the one but it's a geothermal one a volcanic activity we're in we're in down we're in main street usa no that was a polar storm polar storm polar storm where everyone gets electrocuted to death no no the one where where they all get like grizzled oh wait no the one where they're all in just like a little small town and then suddenly it's like wow people's shoes are melting to the sidewalk and everybody incinerates from the ground oh yeah they just become pillars of fire and then they die. So I have a question about like those, those movies, which is like those, hmm, how do I ask this? The like Sharknado category Mm -hmm. of movie. Mm -hmm. Did that come out after Piranha 3D? And, and it's because to me, it seems like, and I don't know what has happened under Mm -hmm. the banner of the rest of movies that were inspired by that or made possible by that. But it feels like Sharknado to me felt like a piranha. Like it felt like it was influenced by this movie in one way or another, where it was like, it was like, imagine fish. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. <laughs> imagine just uh, the worst case scenarios with fish and then make make it big like that's what it felt like and is that like a whole and then as a result of like the sharknado thing being able to happen it feels like things could happen on cable that mm-hmm. couldn't happen before like it's the levels of so what sharknado was 2000 so sharknado was 2013 and just uh, like this, this particular weird little window of sci-fi channel stuff is a weird timeline that I actually know. So Sharknado came out in 2013, but this was after they'd been doing all of these. They were still in the earnest sci-fi channel movie yeah. thing, but they were starting to get more and more campy. And that's when like, sh- mega like shark versus, versus, yeah, yeah, giant shark versus mega octopus or however, I don't remember what it was called, but like that came out in that head, like Christy Swanson, I think, and uh, Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> like it was like that level and so it was like and they were just starting to get more and then they started they were starting to get more and more gonzo with it and then mm. they went into sharknado where they were fully like we're not going to try to make a good movie we're going to make a movie where we know it's bad yeah. and y'all are going to lean into it and yeah. that's actually sharknado is like the line we have for the podcast itself we won't do we won't cover the sharknados theoretically because they're not made with the intention of being a good movie. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. made with the intention of being kind of a, you know, a joke on the genre. And Sharknado is where Sci-Fi Channel achieves self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. Once, once yeah. they, once they go, Sky, once they go Skynet, then we can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, this I would argue that Piranha is trying to, is making it, they know what kind of movie they're supposed to be. They know what yeah. kind of movie they can make, but then they still are like, well, we're going to make the best damn version of it. We can. Mm. And they pretty much succeed. And I think that's a difference. Like, I feel as if, you would with Kelly, the the Jessica Jessica's character Kelly. I feel like you would have had more awareness about her. She would have been more like winking, and there would be less earnestness within the roles of the characters themselves if this mm-hmm. were in that kind of template. But mm-hmm. they don't. They keep all the characters within the world. Nobody's like, "What piranhas?" How's yeah, that even? they're all like, "Yeah, nobody's breaking the fourth wall." <laughs> yeah, they're all like, "Piranhas are what's happening," and so we yeah. got to deal with the reality. <laughs> And that's piranhas I think, are really, what's happening. Piranhas are what's happening. That could be the tagline on the poster. Piranhas are what's happening. <laughs> piranha 3D. Piranhas are what's happening. Oh my God, that's so good. I'm just looking for my charger. I'm so sorry. No, take your time. Okay. The, uh, well, I will, uh, as you do that, I will just say, I the this, this movie, it's all like, should we get, should we close the lake and then not mm-hmm. closing the lake? Well, guess what? Then the piranhas surface in Moss. They find the population center. There's the melee on the beach. There's Bing Rames wiping out piranhas by the hundreds with yeah. a, a outboard motor. He's ripped off the back of a boat. It's so good. Bing Rames just go into town on hundreds yeah. of piranhas decapitate. I got to say like the, one of the few weaknesses I would argue about this movie is that mm. the cast is too big. And so they are too ambitious. <laughs> I did not need both. I did. I, I, I was like, I want more. Give me an entire movie of Ving Rhames as the town sheriff. Like, right. I want that. <laughs> well, I, he is the I, subordinate to Elizabeth Shue. Right. Which, as most of us are, but like, <laughs> I almost don't need, I, I almost don't need Elizabeth Shue in this because I want oh more God. Ving Rhames. But like, also, sure, give me more Elizabeth Shue. Give me more of her with Adam Scott. Give me more Christopher Lloyd if you can afford him for a second. Yeah. Like, Seriously. <laughs> there's so much that this movie. There's so many other places where I want to spend more time in this movie. Sure. In spite of myself and by surprise. Well, in Taj's credit, uh, he won't spend too much time on anything. Like he's a he's he's real quick, as yeah. we know from Crawl as well. Like economy, economy of production. Right. And that's true. This all it all culminates into 
all of our all of our main heroes have ended up on the porn boat and <laughs> it is up to like elizabeth she has to go rescue her children because also the kids who were stranded on a on a like a small island in the lake they've been rescued by the porn boat so all of her kids are on the porn boat so she has to go to the porn boat and save them and the climax of this movie is really the main guy rescuing jessica jor from being trapped in the cabin of this boat um, one of our, one of our wild girls is still alive. The other has already been eaten to death. And there's like a dramatic rescue where they have Adam Scott and Elizabeth Shue in one boat tying like a lifeline to the sinking porn boat. And everybody has to like scale their way over the rope to get to safety. We lose other wild girl. And I, and somehow uh, I, it comes out of nowhere that main guy, main kid is like, oh, I'm going to blow up the boat because there's no <laughs> Yeah, because it is the one thing we haven't had this movie yet is an explosion. It does come out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yes, yeah, so the climax of this movie, we have main boy, whose name I never remember. He, the kids are safe. They're in the boat with Adam Scott, Elizabeth Shue. He's in the boat. He's in the porn boat trying to rescue Jessica Jor. They're going to swim out the bottom and he's like, Here's what we're going to do. I am going to light a flare and the boat's going to explode. But before that happens, I'm going to tie a rope around us and they are going to pull us to safety from the police boat. And so that happens. They get ripped to safety, but not until he gets nibbled on quite a bit by piranhas. And then, but as they're beginning pulled away, they're going to be okay. Boom, boat blows up. And somehow it seems like the shockwave kills a bunch of piranhas. <laughs> yeah. Like, Shocks, shockwaves will kill fish. Like I know yeah. I think dynamite fishing is a thing, yeah. but I was just like, really that far? <laughs> these, big explosion, these man. Hardy I mean, they ass go, they go all cannibalistic in. hardened piranhas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know no, prehistoric piranhas. I have no pressure. Like, look, they are hard ass can like, yes, they are all those things, but a big ass shockwave is a big ass shockwave, and it doesn't matter. Like, it's gonna knock, it's gonna at least be concussive enough to knock them, like to stop them swimming. Yes. And then they will suffocate to death. So, okay. okay like, I actually, in terms of reality index, you know, I'm always on board for a blow it up as a solution. Of course. <laughs> Anytime. Like, if there's a disaster movie, 90% of the time, the solution is to blow it up. And they're including right. tornadoes. I mean, come yeah. on. You just got to blow it up sometimes. And uh, in this case, yeah, I, I could go with like, as a fish thing that, you know, once as they're no fish. longer swimming, then they can't get the oxygen in their lungs and they're concussed okay. and then they drown. So I'm in. I'm I, I had no qualms. I so they get like they've taken out a substantial uh, part of the fish population, <laughs> all of the native fish population, surely. And then they're. This movie actually has an incredible ending. It's it's an incredible mm, ending. It it's is clearly set up for mm-hmm. a sequel, but like it's they're all on the safety boat, and then they get like a call from Christopher Lloyd, who's like, "Here's the problem: this fish that you brought me as a specimen does not have developed sex organs. This is an immature fish. This is a baby. The 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 this is not fully grown." And then you just get Adam Scott being like, "So if these are the babies, where are the parents?" Huge fucking piranha comes across shoots out of the lake comes across the frame takes him out pulls him up about end of movie perfect ending right right before that happens right before that happens when steve mcqueen's grandson gets back on the boat adam scott i don't know if you picked this up like i don't think that this was actually written in the script i'm not sure but like adam scott welcomes them on the boat by saying Oh, I'm glad to have you on board. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I remember the Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, he's just talking like my internal monologue. Like, that's yeah, what that, yeah, he's just, it, it's and like they dies. didn't cut the mic or something. <laughs> like he was just <laughs> was in like, ADR. 
after the fact. And he's like, Jesus Christ, holy shit. And he hasn't really written lines. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> But it's also, it's the most it's Adam Scott time. possible it reaction really to the whole <laughs> circumstance. That's Adam Scott just being Adam Scott Holy that shit. moment. I can't, I can't agree more, Jordan, about this ending being perfect. Like, I think, I, again, yeah. like, where you're like, where, where you might feel like it's uneasy at the front before you know where things are going, uh-huh. it gets into it. And then it's just like ends on a punchline. Like, it, it ends it. on a perfect punchline. So I, I thought it was it, wonderful. It really is like, what it, it's like, it's like Aja was looking at being like, what more do you fucking want? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to wrap this up? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, no. Like, we like I I went a hundred into a brick wall. The car doesn't go anymore. Like, <laughs> sorry, it blew up. Like, that's that's all. Oh I God. I love the elegance of that ending. And now I'm thinking about holy shit, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing that could be on the poster. Glad to have you on board. Jesus Christ, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) If all fish looked like this, I'd only fuck fish. Like that's (laughs) these are all great taglines for this movie that probably would have done this. I feel like if they had had us as the marketing team, this movie would have done more. Because a hundred percent, any of those would have gotten me to the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I I'm so glad that. And I'm 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 in a I feel like of a similar perspective to both of you in different ways where it's like I'm actually like a a lot of ways like humorless uh, uh, critical theory feminist person mm-hmm. and sure, so like yeah. sometimes I'm just like I can't get beyond where this didn't deliver yeah. and I like that it just didn't even try yeah, to deliver yeah. <laughs> and then and it's like it, it's it's hetero it's like hetero lens is so over the top like already yeah. like a hetero lens is itself over the top but like yep. creepy it's so over the top that it has no power like it's been no. rendered yeah. powerless and yeah I and those are those are two things that you both put into words for me that I didn't have going into this, but it's so satisfying, you know, uh, uh, having it now. That and that is what that is just such a, a fun thing that we seek to do on the disaster pod is really <laughs> do these deep readings. <laughs> and I just I there is so that I, I, I we're, we're two seasons in onto the odds pod there. You know, we've done like 30 or some episodes. It is there's so much incredible material to unpack from that decade. And we're just now getting far enough away from it to sort of consider it history to where like people are starting to process it. And like Britney documentary, Paris documentary, like we are just now starting the to Dutch praise. Yeah. yeah. The Von Dutch Von documentary. Is it Von Dutch? Yeah. The Von yeah, Dutch. It's Von Dutch. Tucker hats. Yeah. 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 It's the Von, the Von Dutch documentary. Like mm-hmm. Simon Rex is, is in red rocket and it's the look back <laughs> on his career. Like it is, we are just now getting to a point where we are really putting that era into perspective and it is fucking bananas like it it is such a weird bridge between like it is such a weird amalgamation of quote-unquote progressiveness of the 21st century like will and grace is on tv and like you know girl power feminism while at the same time like and yet at the same time like it's a neocon administration in a post 9-11 world where it's like actually really puritanical and Mm -hmm. suffocating at the same time as culture is just completely bucking against conservatism while also demanding it Yes. And so at the same time, you have this, you know, angel whore binary where women cannot fall <laughs> on the wrong side of it lest they be dragged. But at the same time, yeah. please be our Lolitas. Like it is a cacophony and masculinity is in a real fucking crazy place. <laughs> like it's like hyper nationalist and hyper buff, but it's also like really shaved and feminized. Like it is wild. <laughs> so anytime 
we can talk about that era as as a as a time worth ingesting. I'm on cloud nine. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Piranha. Yes, thank you, Alex. Thank you. thank you so much, Piranha, for bringing this. <laughs> yeah. Did you know? Did you know, Piranha, that you were going to make this yeah. possible? Thank you. <laughs> I hope that Piranha Piranha knew one day it would see its own its its self justification. Finally, they were like, like we really, we, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. hopefully, everybody has a radio show at some point because mm-hmm. if yeah. that happens, someone will argue for us, and that's what we're here to do. <laughs> so, so that, with that in mind, yeah, what is this really about? What is this really about? Yeah. I mean, I know I've got something. Yeah, you need to start a minute. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that this is not just about the toxic masculinity, because obviously it's about talk, but I think it's actually about how, like, there are no good men in a patriarchal system. Mm. Sure. Um, Sure. And that that there, we, and none of us, there, no one is safe under that system as well. I mean, Mm -hmm, even, mm -hmm. so Jake, this Steve McQueen's grandson, um, Jake is supposed to be the good guy, and he's supposed to be the nice guy, and he is sucks a friend into the whole thing yeah he's operating the camera he's uh, he's doing body shots off of his friend kelly he's in this whole situation and he's right on board with it until it suddenly unless until it suddenly jeopardizes his own safety and um you know we watch these it starts off with women being a woman as you said she the woman who's the topless parasailer yeah (laughs) is being dragged into the water and just eaten every time she's dragged into the water and then she pops back out again and she's for entertainment yeah and she's screaming for help while these men stand on the side just cheering and screaming for her they don't realize that they're complicit they're being complicit that they have the chance to save her because this patriarchal system has us all so sucked into it that no matter what we're all participating in it whether we like it or not and in the end no one is safe from it just like with white supremacy like we saw you know with with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict to be really, but in that case, where you <laughs> to, be, that you're, to be really, yeah. In that case, you know, it, it is the subtext of that is that even your whiteness, because the people that you killed were white, even your mm-hmm. whiteness will not protect you from white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Likewise with this movie, I think that the subtext of this movie truly is even your maleness, even your penis that Jeff, that, you know, mm-hmm. Jerry O'Connell yells, they ate my penis. They ate my penis is the words <laughs> yeah. that come out of his mouth when he's pulled out of the boat. Yeah. And again, has no lower half, but main concern is his dick. And who, when he is, he is about, could be like rescue or so he gets like brought back to life for a moment. And all he says is wet t-shirt contest. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the only dying words are wet, wet t-shirt, t-shirt contest. Which is how he would want it to be, to be honest. Yeah. But like all of these different parts, what we see is that everybody, the fish as the patriarchy, as a fish sort of a, the patriarchy, a, the, pa- the fish is the patriarchy, come into the system, they are the tangible version of a system that is ripping us all apart and destroying all of us morally as well as physically, whether we are a nice guy or we are a woman who's got big boobs or mm-hmm. we are, you know- the, A child. A child or the very lovely woman who is, you know, the the other wet and wild girl yeah. who is like, I can get across this rope. I've got great core strength. That's all that pool dancing is for. Yeah. None of it will save you. Yeah. It, in the patriarchy, because it will destroy us all. So that is what I think this movie is about. I think that they managed to make a weirdly feminist movie with exactly 14 sets of boobs. I I mean, this is how I feel about how like how the neon demon is so misogynist. It reverts back to being feminist. Yeah. We, these these phenomenon happen. I, I think so. But I do. I do want to give them credit. I don't think that this was an unintent. I don't think that they set out to make a movie that wasn't about anything. I do mm. think whether they meant to or not, like, I think that we're supposed to 
to see that Jake gets pulled to the dark side. Like, I think that we're supposed, <laughs> like we're supposed to see that, like, no, even he's not blameless. You know, he's not really so, our hero. So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I, I, I agree entirely with the mm-hmm. read. I, what I like about the Jake character is he, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem, he never struck me as nice from the beginning, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed about Okay, him. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's a nice, he's a quote, the heavy quote, he's, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Bo like Burnham. TM. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Promising yeah. like, Bo Burnham, not like ex- proper Bo Burnham. I don't know the guy. Right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, but like he, there's no question when yeah. he's asked by this, the skeeve Jerry O'Connell mm-hmm. that that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Like, and he like he immediately a- agrees to it when he realizes what it is. He's not kind of queasy about it. He agrees to it, even though he knows that he's supposed to go take care of his, his uh, uh, siblings that like, yeah. do a family day or whatever the thing is. Um, he participates um, with the screaming masses when they're calling for like the girls right. to take their tops mm-hmm. off right. on the and, boat. And That's I true. kind of, I kind of thought that that was, I don't know what that was meant to be, but mm-hmm. I was, I was really taken with the fact that like the nice guy, it, it's only in performance. Like it's mm-hmm. not in the substance yeah, like of his I action like from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah. But as, as far as the read goes, like, yeah, like, the, like, uh, 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 patriarchy is ultimately an, an unleashed, uncontrolled, two million year old, um, you know, like flesh virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it physically has the same effects of a school of piranha. So yeah. it's flesh virus. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, that's basically like trolls on Twitter is essentially like just the piranhas in the in the Lake Victoria. So yeah. Do you do Elon Elon Musk followers are those piranhas? Yes. <laughs> Do you have do you have a read that you would like to share with us, Alex? I don't. I don't. I think that right you know, vibes. As, as, vibes. As, it's, <laughs> that's kind of like what my. So first of all, I think that 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 read is is as good as it will be. Like I think that that's a great. <laughs> all read. reads are valid. But, but I think that um um, you know, I felt more like it was. Let's take all. Let's take the fabric of the era, kind of like mm-hmm, I, like mm-hmm, I said before, mm-hmm. and and create you know, a diary, like a, a gore diorama out of it. Yeah. And, okay. and by using the symbols, gore of, the, <laughs> by yeah. using the, the symbols of the era, it was inherently going to have a message about that era mm-hmm. anyway. And that era yeah. was, was fucking gross. Like all eras are like mm-hmm. all pop eras are in one way or another with yes. any bit of retrospect, they're gross because they do live under a patriarchal system sure. and they do, they are, they do have that toxicity or whatever. So, so in, intentional or not, I don't know, sure. but, uh, but mm-hmm. I do think, yeah, like when you show, uh, uh, when you put a, when you put a camera up to what was happening in the, in the two thousands, it's inevitably going to look real gross. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I think I'm the, I think I feel like I'm a kind of the synthesis of the both of you. Cause I think it is, I think it, I think it is what Amanda's saying. And I think it is what you're saying, Alex. Like, I think it is, it's everything and it's nothing. Mm. And I think in the, my takeaway from that is the exactly you said about the fabric of this era, like being stitched from that, from woven from that Mm. thread, this movie demonstrates like in its awareness of and its cheeky presentation of and it's playing with it demonstrates the evil of of that nihilism Mm -hmm. of that era it demonstrates it demonstrates the evil of of something gory and abusive and aggressive being about nothing (laughs) like this movie is super fun but it can be super fun because it is giving you the innocuous version 
the innocuous party version of something that has been done so many times over and over again in the course of that decade that didn't have the spirit of fun that mm-hmm. didn't have its tongue in its cheek that didn't realize like particularly in the there's something interesting about the Texas Chainsaw remakes of that era because to me Texas Chainsaw is of the four horsemen of the apocalypse movies that came out around <laughs> the late 70s early 80s I still I still have a struggle watching the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's so upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked up and sick and and grotesque. It, it's so still hard to get through. And a friend came on the Oddspot and talked about the O3 TCM. And I thought he made a really good point, which is that the reason why those remakes, I do feel like tonally succeeded more where obviously the Nightmare on Elm Street remake did not, even though I love it. What a wonderful catastrophe starring Rooney Mara as Nancy. <laughs> and and where that was Nightmare on Elm Street, then the Friday the 13th remake is just really not good. But the 2000s remakes TCM captured the nihilistic spirit of the original that did exist in those Texas Chainsaw movies. Whereas like the spirit of nihilism wasn't evident in Nightmare or or Friday the 13th or um, like Chucky, like that was into the eighties and we were having more fun at that point, but there was a harrowing stick and sadness about the Vietnam era horror that was coming out, that exploitation wave, Last House on the Left, Texas Chainsaw. And the 2000s were able to recapture, the 2000s embodied that spirit more in horror than anything like the spirit of the seventies than anything after that time, anything before or since. And so that's why that, I think that remake property fits so well in that time. And it was just like, but it was doing it in a way that was corporate. Like, mm-hmm. let's take the revolutionary subversive shit that was happening with early Craven and early, early Hooper, but like, let's make it big business. Let's make it sexy. Hey guys, you want to take the saddest fucked up horror movie from the seventies and make it like kind of hot. Like it's like, Oh my God. Like that is the most nightmare coalition of concepts possible. Like let's take this time as America. When we recognize ourselves as the bad guys, when we were angry, the spirit of the sixties was dead. It was counterculture. It was revolution. It was discontent. But like, what if we put them in crop tops and made them like really tan? What if there was a gun in a vagina? What if there was a gun in a vagina? What? Don't we love guns and vaginas? I was like, that's where I was like, I think I I can't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Here's the thing in spoiler alert in Prana 3DD, there is a fish in a vagina. Oh yes. I mean, certainly but, fish are going into vaginas in this movie. That is dramatically less horrifying than gun Yeah, there's in a no, it, like, that is so much less viscerally. You don't explicitly see gun in vagina, but there's literally no other place she could have been carrying the gun. It's hidden, and I would say. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Sounds, she's, oh, she's storing it in, right. like, as a yeah, nature's pocket. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. And from a sound design it place, it was big. It was a big sound yeah. design piece, and it was a lot. Okay. You know what? I have less issue with that now as a concept than what I thought it was, which was that a gun goes into a vagina. Like I thought that. Oh yeah, it's not like a horrifying misogyny, like like, threatening. No, it's not like seven where there's the knife. Like we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's actually much less horrifying than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. That's um, actually, I'm actually on, but we should all, all, all people should be afraid that I'm always carrying a gun in my vagina. You're right. Like, that, just, if, that, if more people were thought that it'd be a yeah. safer world. It would be. Be a safer what world. What else am I using you. it for, for the most part? <laughs> God gave me this perfectly good storage compartment that I am just 
It's like having an extra closet in your house where you're not putting your suitcases. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? What the fuck, man? You have these perfectly good closets. I have a perfectly good closet. It's perfect size for a little small gun. Yeah. Yeah. I and but I will I will wrap up my long meandering point only just to say that like I, I think the great one of the great sins of the of the aughts was that I think it was chalked up to being just superficial, just about nothing, just like a, an era of vapidity and surface level stuff which completely ignores that under the surface, there's this whole, whole world that we are actually living in and experiencing and and dealing with the violence of and the ramifications of. And I think this movie does a great job of being like, it's surface, it's crazy, it's fun, it's silly, but it can do what it's doing because it's like, listen, we're all fucked from the toxicity of the past decades. You guys just want to clock out and have a good time Mm. for a minute. So I think that's where I'm going to go with it. It is everything and it is nothing. And it is a perfect, like, let's just throw our hands in the air and take off our tops and have some beers because every, like the evil of the simplicity of this era has been completely taken for granted. So let me just give you something to party with while I take all the, like, take so many of the little gross and icky things about it, but be like, but this is why you love it, isn't it? Like that's, that's where I'm going to go with yeah. a long talk about Piranha well, it's, 3D. It's like in that way, the way that you just described it, it's like the, the like reverse of that remake of Funny Games, right? Where like Funny yeah. Games was like, look at I mean the original funny games was like this too but then there was the American remake where it was like shot for shot yeah it was like look at look at this bad thing now Mm -hmm. feel bad about the fact that you had the compulsion to look at this bad thing and we will comment on you feeling bad and a kid will die and the um um like like basically like it was a test right Mm -hmm. and this is there there can be a lot of the same takeaways in this movie, yeah. but it's a part. It's not a it's yeah. not a like um lecture in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a it's it's in its way, it's like a we gave you all the clues, Mr. Police Officer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, this movie's really fun. And then it's like, yeah, and it can totally stay fun as long as you don't consider where all of these component parts came from to make yes. this movie possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you can be a weekend warrior experience and you can take nothing from it, but if you look at the pastiche that makes it a whole it's like oh dear well you know i i really where did this what was this what hath wrought piranha 3d i look forward to listening to to the your other podcast about about this era because i think i think i'm a person who will watch something and analyze it in real time just like mm-hmm. nat- I will naturally do that like it's yeah. not, I'm not like I'm setting out to analyze it's actually fucking annoying like I'm not like I'm setting out to analyze <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know peace totally and I think exactly and I think like being in that time and being a horror fan yeah. like I really needed context and you couldn't have context being in the time nope so you nope. couldn't go what is this made of because you're in the middle of the thing and like the same and I don't I don't mean like I understand that we're going through national trauma after national trauma and oh, I get sure. that but when people see the Rittenhouse thing and they're like I'm surprised it's like how the fuck are you surprised like yeah. we tortured mm-hmm. like we, we had torture camps when I was a teenager and we all yeah. knew about it like I don't know yeah. it's how it's surprising but like it right because, like Lindy England happened right exactly but because I was in the middle of it I couldn't go, I understand the text that this is made mm-hmm. out of. I understand the pieces that this is made of. Yeah. And and so I I actually now am, am a little kind of intrigued to go back and watch some of those things, knowing 
the, yeah. knowing that I've had it's enough honestly time. fascinating. I have a full <laughs> white beard and white hair. I have enough, I've, enough time has gone by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're all, we're all aging exponentially more than we were in the decade prior. Like, yes. The speed has increased. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We're going through like the event horizon and time is collapsing and <laughs> we exist at all ages simultaneously now. Really it's a show. But now after all that, does anybody have any dream casting I, I have only a one damn thing. thing with this cast honestly like Natalie's is a perfect encapsulation of the era and it's hodgepodgeness and it's like pre pre hey it's that guyness of so many of the actors <laughs> like this is Adam Scott before Adam Scott became Adam Scott this right, is yeah. Paul Shear before people were like oh Adam Paul Shear is that guy who does yeah. the things like it's very much I listen to his cast. podcast yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly wouldn't change a damn thing with this cast. I don't know that you, you need to even, even credit where credit's due. Even the actresses who were cast entirely for their breasts. Oh yeah. You do a great. lovely job. Yeah. No, yeah. I, the most affecting moment to me in this movie is when the, why the final wild girl gets it. I was mm-hmm. like, her to live yeah she was i wanted those pole dancing abs to get her across that fucking rope you really didn't need everybody going across the rope at the same time that was like (laughs) what is this what do you think this is made of steel like a steel bridge this is insane yeah and it's and like yeah that was a solvable problem but like i only i only would change the main guy and i would make him nick diagostino who is that he nick diagostino stars in final destination five and also the like mid aughts movie fired up which got mentioned earlier in this in the broadcast (laughs) um and may actually may actually have a personal connection to friend of the pod marin so yeah you know growing up in new york and professional children that kind of thing um yeah i would go with it he has that he this actor reminded me so much of nick diagostino without being him i was like Mm -hmm. i need this to be nick diagostino Okay. But do you have any, do you have any spot changes? Would you do anything differently, Alex? My only, so obviously I really wanted Paul Shear to be in this movie more. And yeah, it, sounds really. like, it sounds like maybe he's in, in the second one more and I look no. forward to revisiting that. Okay. The he, alternate I, universe where he's just the Joe Francis character yeah. works one-to-one. Like Paul yeah. Shear doing that big hyperbolic yeah. Paul Shear thing, being Don't a misogynist. Mean- would a hundred percent play. Yeah, that's and basically think, that's him being his character from the league. Like, yes, yeah, exactly, right. exactly. exactly. Well, and that's so that's that's exactly right. It's like I would I would actually like recast a lot of the mm-hmm. league in this movie if this movie <laughs> came out in, yeah. in the teens. It would make yeah. a lot of sense that all those guys yeah. were in this movie. Um, yeah, like this Jason movie, Mansukas yeah, could Jason, be in this movie. Jason, exactly, He'd be the cameraman was, to Paul Shears. Oh Joe my Frank. god! Yeah. Oh, but that's then, you know what? No, that's it. That's the that's the recasting. Yes. yes. <laughs> but it would. It's itself at that point. If you had more than one mm-hmm. person from that cast in this movie, it becomes their movie. That's yeah, true. And, it becomes a league. Yeah, that that exactly. community. And Katie that Asselton would be the Shara. Yeah, that would be awesome. I yeah, I would that that would be it. Like Jason Jason Midzik is somewhere in here for sure. Yeah. Um, but only. Mm-hmm you know, four minutes. So he's not yeah. too distracted. Because <laughs> you want, anytime he's in a movie, you want the whole movie to be about yeah. him. He yeah. could have no, probably, he could have replaced like, Eli Roth with Jason Manzukas, maybe. Yes. That's, and that's that maybe, be. that would have been the use yeah. for him. Is you just having him saying, show me yeah, those show Danny DeVito's. Danny 100%. <laughs> <laughs> maximum <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. that works perfectly that's yeah. that's it there's no ch- i mean it's i really do think that again this is an i think this is a perfectly cast yeah, this yeah. Is a perfectly cast movie 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. So, you know, you, uh, you ask on your podcast, who's the daddy of mm-hmm. this movie? Mm-hmm. Do you think this movie has a daddy? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, Elizabeth Shue, I think there's some <laughs> moments where like, yeah. They give it to her because it's like it's a badass lady. Yeah, shit. yeah. Like you know, they do that whole thing. But like, um, I don't think it, I'm watching. It's actually on screen, so I'm like looking oh, okay. up and, and seeing who's up there. Um, no, I don't think I don't think There's anyone no is given the time to no. no. I think Bing I think that's fair. Bing Rams, oh, yeah, Bing yeah. Rams definitely could be the daddy if they gave him more. If you have like one more scene, even yeah. Totally. There's, it's, you actually see that part where like he dies and then his the, his deputy or whatever is like watching him die. His deputy's really sad. Like that's yeah. like an actual emotional <laughs> yeah. moment that happens. So yeah, let's Bing Rames is it. Okay. <laughs> I, love I like it. That. Thanks, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I think he's really, you know, he's got that yeah. radiating off of him. Yeah, and I just, yeah, that that you perfect. He's got that dad strength to rip an outboard motor directly off of a boat. Yep. <laughs> sure, sure yep. And this is like when he still like is a real tree of a man. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> like, my God. Uh-huh. Well, does that bring us to Towering Infernos? Yeah, that brings us so you know, on a scale of one to five, Towering Infernos, mm-hmm. one being the worst, five being the best. Where are you ranking this film? And it does keep in mind we're not comparing this to you know a Schindler's List situation. It's just yeah, in this of is itself. a five. This is an easy okay. five. All right, easy five. All right, I would recommend this to anyone who doesn't have like visual morality problems. Who's not <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If, if someone's like I'm queasy around gore or I don't like like um, boobs of an era of a yeah. specific era, I would totally then go watch yeah. this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is I your think, take i'm i for me it's four because crawl because like crawl is playing in the same sandbox as this movie mm. and crawl's a five star to me Great. and it's not quite crawl so it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a hearty celebrated four <laughs> that's great <laughs> a celebrated four oh, yeah thanks. i'm going four as well partly because having seen piranha three double d i would rank that right higher. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's important. I think that that this is really ambitious and tries to accomplish a lot and does most of it really well. But you know, mm-hmm. if we'd gotten a little more Ving Rhames, if we got a little bit more <laughs> yeah, of something, fair. you know, a little bit more extra, then you know, a little bit more of some of those things, I would have I would have ranked it higher. But I think that's yes. a perfect comparison, I, though, since you've already seen the sequel point. and you know yeah. you like the sequel more. Than like, well, that's but like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. yeah, I like now that I know. I was like, I don't know that I would have watched the sequel if I had seen this first. Interesting. <laughs> Having Interesting. watched the sequel now, and I, like after I watched the sequel, I was like, "Oh, maybe I should watch the original Piranha just to like see what's going on." But then I had to figure out how to get a Stars membership, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> Until I panicked this this morning when Alex messaged me about Jessica, and then I was like, "Oh, I watched." Wrong. I guess it's time for me to figure out how to get a one week membership to Stars. Oh my god! That's yeah. how I just ended up with a Showtime membership that I have a bunch of alarms to remind because me because you're watching. Yes. Yellow jackets? Is it no, because you're watching no, Yellow Jackets? No, I'm watching Yellow Jackets tonight because I have this. I watched the Attica documentary, which was fucking oh, heavy. Oh God! But yeah. um, oh, wait, um, you're, yeah. okay, so you're watching first Yellow Jackets tonight? First yes. episode? Okay, oh, I was yes. gonna say, wait, do you get it a day early? No, I'm not cool. Watch Yellow Jackets. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. It's a good thing to be stuck with, I guess, if you're gonna get Yellow Jackets. Well. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah. Well, I think that leads us to, you know, Alex. 
where can we find you? What's notable? Yeah. What do you want to share with us? Where can the people hear your voice in other facets maybe? Mm-hmm. Thank you. I have a podcast called You Are Good that I co-host with Sarah Marshall who hosts uh, You're Wrong About. So if you <laughs> want to hear her talk about movies and then also me talk about movies, it's yeah. a good time. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a podcast called Nashville Demystified. So if you're in and around Nashville, it's like mm-hmm. about quirky Nashville history stuff. Okay. Um, there's like some stuff that's of interest if you're not from Nashville, but it was specifically for the community. And uh, that's a that's, really cool way to just like learn about where you live. Like for you yeah, as a host, I knew I would like What an enriching endeavor. Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm a person who is realizing that like, unless I'm doing something under the guise of a project, I won't do anything. So right, that's, yeah. that okay. was, it was a challenge to go and meet the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the things. Then you can find me on Twitter at Alex Steed and on Instagram at Alex Steed and at TikTok at Alex Steed. Excellent. Excellent. And awesome. thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us with this. This was, this was so fun. This was the funnest. I can't <laughs> Great. believe it. Oh my God. Thank so you. Glad to hear it that. was Please. such well, a huge honor. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime for Prana Double D. Awesome. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should probably, we should probably yeah. close it up with you. Thank you oh. so much. Yes. Okay. Please. We'll close the, we'll close the, the, uh, the Piranha franchise together. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will, uh, I will, uh, kindly tweet the Oztirion link at you. So you just oh, yeah, I, look, I, really, I look forward to, to listening. It's right okay, up good. my alley. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks we'll everybody. You thank, you so yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank us, you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. That was fantastic. What a lovely man. I mean, like, I know we say this, but man, we get the best guests. We get great guests. <laughs> we get such good guests. And it's such a, that was so fun. I'm so glad. Really, that we are I, a real, I think we're a forum for joy. Yes. Yeah. I would like to think it yes. brings out the good in people. It's just a chance to talk about the thing that you love that no one really otherwise wants you to talk about obsessively. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true that nobody wants to be held prisoner by when you get going on it. And that's yeah. why I have so many podcasts. Well, speaking of things that no one else wants to talk about, you know what we've got coming up for next week, Jor? La Brea. The thrilling season. Continuation. Episodes seven and eight. Of La Brea. Oh my that's God. That's what we'll that's be what- doing next week. And you know, I had I had I uh, had brunch with a TV uh, friend, a longtime like TV critic friend of mine today, and she was. I brought up like La Brea and how shocked we were that it got a second season. She was like, "Jordan, it's doing extremely well." I was like, "Really?" And she was like, <laughs> "For linear cable in 2021, she's like, it's pulling like five million viewers a night." I was like, "Emily, oh, yeah. I literally wait." I'm sorry. No Hold on. Let's back idea. this up. Our podcast has five million viewer listeners. I mean, yeah, no, at the very least, Amanda, our podcast has 5 million potential listeners. Okay. I'm just saying like if 5 million people are watching that show, I have to assume at least half of them are from our podcast because God knows (laughs) we're doing more to promote this show than Peacock and NBC. Than Peacock and NBC. So I like, and obviously because like they renewed it because it was doing well enough for them. But at the same time to hear that, to have somebody else, A, yeah. talk about La Brea to me yeah. was a surprise and B have somebody be like Jordan it's doing like for how TV does linearly on broadcast now it's doing great I was like that is tremendous news I'm and that thrilled. means I, I we need to have Natalie Z on oh yeah we I need, need to get on this I we, we're gonna make this happen yeah Absolutely. I've got an IMD. I've got an IMDB pro membership now we're unstoppable <laughs> we are unstoppable um, but yeah, oh my God, I, I, as always, I'm so psyched for more La Brea. Somebody yeah. at the other, the other friend at brunch today, um, like she had, like, she didn't love the first episode. She, and, and she was like, does it get better? And I went, no, and she kind of <laughs> laughed. 
And I went, but it gets sillier. And she goes, okay, but that's what I'm asking. I was like, okay, then yes. 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 I was like, wait, how far did you watch? Did you see the camp food supply being wiped out by the giant sloth? And she was like, she just paused. And I was like, okay, get back into it. Check it out. Check it out. I was like, Angie, in one of the last episodes we watched, there is an emergency spinal tap performed while somebody has to be sedated using heroin. Like (laughs) this show is delivering. And That's, so I'm, I love that every much like with, as we've discussed before, Grey's Anatomy or um, Pretty Little Liars. This is going to be one of those shows, I feel like, where if you just take little just give them yeah. give people a little top down view of any storyline in five mm-hmm. words or fewer. Yeah. The look you get of confused. Yeah. is so good. No, no, <laughs> no, no intuitive ability to be like, I can see how you got there. None. Yeah, no, doesn't matter. It's great. Uh, so that's, we will be continuing with episode seven and eight um, next week. So we'll be back for that. But in the meantime, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on patreon.com, patreon.com slash Cruciola, um, toying with the idea of doing Yellow Jackets power rankings after every episode. <laughs> so maybe you'll start seeing that. Um, may or may not. But in the meantime, Ots Tyrion season two has just wrapped. So you can go listen to all those episodes. We have exciting things planned for season three. Mm-hmm. And then um, bebop around other podcasts that I have, like the whole movie podcast and, and listen to things I've talked about, like Neon Demon and Simple Flavor. Yeah. And, wait, and of course, Twitter. Uh, wait, crew. did you plug um, your new one? Oh my God, it's so new. I keep forgetting. Yeah. The second episode as of this recording, I think there'll be a couple more by the time it gets out, is of the Feeling Scene podcast from the network Maximum Fun is out now. I'm talking to a new co-host every week about uh, a seminal moment of seeing a character in film that made them feel like they could identify with that character and talking through all of the emotions that go into that. And so I am having a lot of fun with people. I think you should join me and have a lot of fun. It's on a network. So you need to listen to me to make me a success. I need you now. There you go. Disaster Divas, I need you now. Fucking just subscribe and download it. Listen later, but like hit subscribe all over the world. All right. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, You can find me at Jason Halftones, anywhere you you do things um, and uh, listen to other wonderful shows on Mm thatmightbecool.com. Excellent. And then I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. That's where I am. And that's uh, where I am. It's where I am all the time, constantly. It's a problem. Um, and, and you know what, guys, I got to say, I got to say, in real time update, uh, Alex, not on the conversation with us, has already tweeted a, po- a post-mortem about recording with us. Said, this wow. was, without question, the most fun I've ever had on another podcast. <gasps> wow. Oh, my God. Big endorsement. So, like, wow. you just listened, so you know. You but heard that Reminding you to tune in every week, because look at the fun times we're having. That is so cool. Alex, um, what thank you. I, you Alex, are a tremendous thank guest. You. It's fantastic time with you. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, yeah. So you can find, you can listen, you can follow us on disaster underscore pod. Um, or no, we're, yeah. Disaster, disaster underscore, underscore pod. pod. Yeah, I, I I was looking at that and I was confused for a second. Disaster <laughs> underscore, because he, he had tagged us as disaster pod, which is actually a different account. It has- <laughs> Five followers, and it was established in 2016 from Australia, <laughs> uh, which is why we are disaster underscore pod. Great. Anyway, so we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Letterboxd. We're disaster girls on Letterboxd. So if you're like, huh, I wonder if they're going to cover this movie, go look at the massive number of lists I have made breaking yeah. down disaster movies by every category possible. 
Um, comprehensive. It's comprehensive. Really, it's it really shows that great micro focus I can get. Yes, and that micro focus that was it comes in waves. So helpful sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, write and rate and review us, guys. Five stars. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Tell your loved ones as you get ready for those long podcasts. Yeah, or long road trips, and you need podcasts. Spread the good word. Please do. We've got yes. 90 some odd episodes. We can take you across this country and back again. Yeah, we can. We yeah. can. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you all back next week for the thrilling conclusion to season one of La Brea. La Brea! Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.